Hello, you're listening to The Stablecast, a podcast series where we talk about cars and probably some other stuff. Today we've got Dave. Hello, Dave. Hi, Tim. And we've got Phil. Hello, Phil. Hi, Tim. And we've got Tim. That's me. Hello. So we're going to start by talking about a question that everybody loves to ask and nobody loves to answer, and that is, what is your first car? My first car was an Alfa Romeo 156, and it was like brand new, two litre uh, petrol turbo type vehicle. Nice. And um, it didn't cost me any money, uh, and I didn't have to pay insurance, nor did I have to pay for fuel. Back in the olden days. Back in the good old days. It sounds like a good deal. It was a very, very good deal. What um, happened to it? What? Uh, basically, it was, my, it was my dad's company car. <laughs> and it was, it was on one of these like, um, old company car schemes where basically, if you had a company car, anyone in your family was insured to drive it. And uh, you could use anyone in your family could use the fuel card. And my dad worked away. He worked abroad for like, most of the year. So there was just a spare car there. So uh, I took full advantage of that, and as a 17-year-old, driving a 2-litre turbo Alfa Romeo around was, uh, probably wasn't the most sensible thing in the world, really. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure I'll let my kids do it, but um, I did, and it was, it was good. Do those terms apply to our company car scheme? Uh, 100% not. No, okay. 100% just, not. I just wanted to confirm. So it, it, was, it was a really nice car. I definitely shouldn't be driving that car at 17. What colour was it? Silver. Yeah, so a hatchback. Um, no, it was like um, it was like a saloon, uh, if I remember right. Like a, bit like a little bit like a VW Jetta. Oh yeah. So yeah, it was a nice car. It was kind of the envy of uh, most of my mates really because they didn't have anything as quite as plush as that. Were you the one driving everyone around? Um, Designated driver. Not, not massively, no. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. It wasn't one of these people that was um, like really, in, you know, like wanting to drive all the time and you know every opportunity to honest with you. Yeah. No, so but the, the first car I actually bought was a <laughs> it was a Vauxhall Astra, yeah. one point three Merit, but it had an, a GTE body kit on it. And the GT, GTE was like a really sporty type yeah. car, wasn't it? Really nice looking car, and the, to fairness, the body kit was really good, and it, it you couldn't really tell it wasn't a GTE. Yeah. To the point where somebody stole it, and was obviously massively disappointed as they parked it up about a mile down the road. And they, and they left it there. Yes, yeah, left it. They got <laughs> yeah. stolen, thinking it's a GTE, and then like drove it and realised it was far from a GTE. I like literally drove a mile away and just parked it up and left it. With the keys in it, it just in. Yeah, the keys were just in there, yeah. 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 You so. just walked down and get it back, did you? Uh, I got a phone call off the police like a week later saying it's here. And then I, I wasn't really that bothered, so I kind of just left it there because <laughs> I didn't really want it. So, because uh, by that point I decided it was gone and um, You'd moved on. I'd moved on. What did I order? I ordered a, um, yeah, a Polo, I think. Yeah, that's, that's my first car experience. Yeah. What about you, Tim? My first car was a Skoda Fabia, and um, it doesn't look the same anymore because it's probably a cube somewhere because I was rear-ended and it, it got crumpled with me inside. Is that the one where you got quite badly injured? Yeah. I survived, though. 
believe it or not. Which is a bonus. I'm not coming to you from beyond. <laughs> <laughs> but I've only had two cars in my life, so it was that one. And now I've got the uh, the absolutely stunning Dacia Logan, which uh, it does the job with three dogs. That's all I needed it for. Yeah. It's like you're making excuses before anyone's, uh, <laughs> yeah. anyone's ripping. Yeah. Yeah. Getting on the defensive. Yeah. What happened in the... Uh, do you want to tell the... the Audience, what happened in the in the car crash? Because everyone likes to hear someone about someone's car crash. Yeah, yeah, it's always a misfortune. Yeah, I was just Human driving nature. to work, and all of a sudden there was another car inside my car, <laughs> and um, and yeah, I don't remember much. Got whisked away in an ambulance, and then I never saw the car again. What were you, what were your injuries? Uh, oh, damaged my knees, damaged my shin. Anything break? No, they thought it was. They did X rays and everything, but it was just. Uh, I was just. I'm like Wolverine, got bones of adamantium, wasn't it? Didn't someone, were the people trying to say it was your fault and you admitted to fault whilst you were like semi-conscious in an ambulance? <laughs> I was semi-conscious in an ambulance, yeah, and uh, you could hear the guy outside blaming me. <laughs> That's low, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've just rear-ended someone, put them in an ambulance, and then you're like, when they're not there to defend themselves, you try to blame them. Yeah. It's amazing. Didn't get to go to work that day, never mind. Well, there you go then. Day off, yeah. bonus. Every cloud has a silver yeah. lining. <laughs> Unless you didn't get paid for that day. And uh, I remember going to collect all of my... They, they like got some of the stuff out of the car and went to go and collect it because like, you can go pick up your items from like the salvage company. The morgue. And there was a, a dog bed. Um, what else was there? It was basically just like a load of stuff that wasn't mine in this car. So it was like a dog bed, a handbag, <laughs> all things that wasn't mine. It was just like, did you rescue any of my stuff? They couldn't get to it. Where was the handbags from? My wife. Oh, right, okay. I thought it was not, like, not my handbag. Well, I thought it was like a random person's handbag or something. Tim didn't care that his wife's uh, belongings had been saved. Yeah, he yeah. keep them. He keep them, where's my stuff? Them. Yeah. Well, what were you missing? What did you lose out on? Oh, I think I had like a Neil Diamond power collection. pack and like my lunch. <laughs> 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 Two weeks later, I was going to eat that sandwich. Yeah. What about you, Phil? Uh, my first car was a classic Mini. So it was an L Reg, which was 1994. I didn't get it in 1994. I got it in around 2008. It was a classic Mini, Mini Cooper, uh, in red, with a white roof and white stripes. Ooh, uh, it was lovely, and it had. Uh, it was a 1.3 petrol fuel injection, and it was absolutely rapid. They just those cars look so cool. I think it's it's quite clear that you had the coolest car as your first car out of the three. Even you know that that goes without saying, but they look just so scary. Yeah, like, you know you look vulnerable. Yeah, you? you don't realize if that's your first car, you don't realize how unsafe they are until you get a bit older and you get safer cars. Because if that if I was in an accident in that car in the mini, I think I would have like I would have died. Because they're not made to crumble. <laughs> no. Like, new cars, they, they all fold up. That's why they always look so bad after an accident. Whereas old cars, they were made to just stay sturdy. So all the force from the crash would be, like, passed to the softest bit, which is your fleshy, <laughs> fleshy body. But, oh, it was amazing. It had half leather seats. It had... Most of it was, like, standard inside. It'd only done, like, 40,000 miles. It was amazing. They're so cheap, it was about a grand. The only issue is I only had it for six months because it, it, you just have problems. You just have to be a proper mechanic, you know, to use it as a daily driver. Yeah. Well, I guess with, with that, it probably more people have it. It's more about 
you know the the history of the car and so keeping it on the road and keeping it keeping yeah. it going is part of like the ownership and the enjoyment out of it whereas like I just want to get in the car and just drive it and not have to yeah not have to worry about it it's it's not really a, a first it's not really a, a car to have as your only car it's more of like a second car it likes keeping it in the garage for nine months of the year yeah yeah and then but unfortunately when it broke I had to sell it I did do a few nice things when the Land Dudno we're up to Land Dudno mini run so there's like 200 minis in convoy oh that's good it was like take over all the road so now that you've said what your first cars were and we work with Audis and VWs all the time so like what would you say is the nicest car that you're kind of looking at now in the Audi VW range for me personally I would say Fortunately, we got to test drive this car a couple of days ago, and it is the new Audi RS4, because two things. One, it's a really practical car, and I like practical cars, because we've got a dog and a baby and all the crap that that all entails. And two, it was absolutely rapid, and it's a lovely looking car, so. That was, uh, I was in the passenger seat for that that uh, demo, and it was scary being a passenger. I don't know whether it was just your driving. Or <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> It was really, considering how fast the car could go, I didn't drive it that fast, obviously, driving quite safe. Within the speed limits. Within the speed limit, obviously. <clears throat> it's something. just how quick you get to the speed limit, yeah. that's, the, that's the scary bit. But I, I couldn't imagine having that as my daily driver, because it, I'd just be tempted to floor it everywhere. Like my Golf R, you can drive it like a normal Golf, and it is really comfortable. Like five days of the week, I just drive it normal, you know, in the commute. And the other two days, I'm still driving it normal. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, RS4 for me. Um, I'm looking at watching the video. I want to say RS4, but because I've not been in, I've been in them, but not driven them. Uh, so I can't really say that. I'm gonna have to go SQ7. Nice. Because I like 4B4s. I do like that that riding position, drive being up high. And that car is ridiculously quick. And because of the size of it and the weight, it, it definitely shouldn't be as fast as it is. And like Phil said, for me, you know, I've got to look at the practical side of things and obviously you can fit a hell of a lot of gear in that SQ7 as well. So I think it's a stunning looking car. I'm going to go SQ7. Nice. I'm um, probably going to go for an unpopular opinion because I really like the VW Arteon. But the reason I like the VW Arteon is because of that huge grille on the front and I really like the design. But I've picked that one because the VW Towereg isn't out yet and that's got the same design and it's like a huge version of the Arteon and it's got a lot nicer spec in it than any VW that came before it and it looks a lot more like an, an Audi in the interior, which I think is a lot nicer. But um, so if I can't have the VW Towereg, I'm going to go for the Arteon. Strangely, even so, though, even though I've said RS4, I as far as Audi versus Volkswagen go, I think I prefer the Volkswagen brand. If I was going to get a car, have you heard the news about Tesla's Roadster 2.0 and the SpaceX package? I I've not. I am intrigued, so no. I am a bit of a Tesla. So you know who SpaceX are, don't you? Yes, that's the, the people that. The uh, Elon Musk, Musk company, they send the rockets up into the space, but then they bring them back down and they reuse them. You made it sound easy. 
but yeah. Is that about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. The, it's uh, Elon Musk's space company. Um, they're partnered with Tesla now through like a, a deal that they have. And Elon Musk has tweeted, and if you've if you've ever seen Elon Musk's Twitter account, it's just like it's just like someone with money enough money to do whatever the hell they want, just making decisions. And he said that the SpaceX option package for the new Tesla Roadster will include around ten small rocket thrusters arranged seamlessly around the car. And these rocket engines will dramatically improve acceleration, top speed, braking, and cornering. Maybe they will even allow a Tesla to fly. And uh, he announced that. And um, MKBHD from YouTube, Mark Edge Brownlee. Oh yes. He uh, he replied and said, "Quick question: Has it been confirmed anywhere that the roads to 2020 will have autopilot?" And Elon Musk replies, "Definitely, it'll also have an augmented mode." So kind of like a, a mode to help with the driving that will massively improve and enhance human driving ability, like a flying metal suit, but in car form. See, I have I have a question. Do you think, because I've heard that Elon Musk basically, someone asks him a question and then he'll decide the answer to that question and then give a reply without actually consulting any of his like team so, like, for example, that, you know, the uh, uh, Marcus Brownlee's asked there, there's a good chance he's just decided, yeah, actually, it will have autopilot without it actually being confirmed. So do you think he's done the same thing with the rocket? Do you think he's just sort of just been sat there one day and thought, you know what would be really cool if you put 10 little rockets in the back of a, a Roadster Mark II and it make it go really fast? Because that sounds... Mental, on like even on Elon Musk terms, it sounds properly crazy. I think he's clever enough to know that it's possible. I don't think he would just kind of be like, "Yeah, let's do it for fun." I think he he's probably he knows all the tech behind it because he's quite clever himself. And he did reply to someone else and say how it would work, and it'd have to remove the back seats and it'd use uh, adapted cold gas thrusters and things like this. But like. Whether or not it will actually come to be, it kind of seems like whenever he says things on his Twitter account, they become true. So he could have made it up on the spot, but it'll probably still happen. Does it not just seem a bit wacky races? You know, <laughs> you're driving down the motorway doing 70 and then you press this button <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're thrust forward to doing 350 mile an hour and then you're taking off into the sky and then you explode in the sky in a ball <laughs> of flames. <laughs> It, it, it doesn't sound like it is like you know it would happen it, it, it even it doesn't like it pass any sort of laws no you know but I suppose it's it, it's no different to I mean again is it legal to have you know, like watching uh, Fast and Furious where they have like the little nitro button yeah is that legal no is it not I doubt it definitely not legal in the UK so it's not it's not dissimilar to that I suppose is it no. My favourite part is that he says that it'll help with braking. Like, you're going to have two rocket boosters on the front of your car to help you slow down. But how fast are you going if you need a rocket to slow you down? <laughs> a, a parachute as well. A parachute, yeah. Depends how high you've flown. And then eject the seat. Uh, yeah, someone uh, said that. Someone said in a, in a comment, like, I'm only going to get in this if it's got a bat pod style escape mechanism. Yeah. I would imagine this is more of a marketing spin than anything else. I think it's always marketing spin. Well, the Tesla marketing team will be happy because because of this tweet. It's made it onto the first episode of the Stablecast. 
So, if anything, <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's worked. It's worked. It's definitely yeah. worked. Yeah, he is clever. And going from one extreme to the other, have you heard that um, learner, dri- learner drivers are now allowed on the motorway in UK? Is this to do with rocket boosters or not? Yeah, yeah, it's to teach them how to safely ascend and descend <laughs> using the Tesla rotor. I, I think this is only a good thing. I mean, if, if, you, if you think you, you can pass your driving your driving test, having only, like, you get on the dual carriageways, don't you? What's that, 60? But then to get, you, you could go from that, where you've probably been on that a couple of times, to being able to drive on a busy three or four lane motorway in rush hour is, is a scary thing, really. So without, why would you not give people proper training on how to drive in that, in that environment? Exactly. It, it doesn't, I'm just shocked that it took so long to actually become part of the driving test. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, when, when experienced drivers like ourselves are on the motorway and you come up to a particularly confusing junction, you're not focused on driving because you can do that and you've got the experience of being on a motorway so you can focus on where you're going to go and how you're going to get over to that lane. If you're just dumped on a motorway, like all of us were, your first time ever time on the motorway, even just merging onto the motorway can be quite tricky, so it's like shocking that it's taken this long. Yeah. There's nothing more dangerous on the motorway than a car which is driving really slowly. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know that itself is like, because especially on a clear stretch of road, it... The, you know, a slow car, sort of, all of a sudden you're approaching it very, very quickly. It takes, yeah. you know, it can take a minute to realise actually this car is not, it's going real slow and it's, it's getting up, you know, it's creeping up on you a lot quicker than you thought, so. Yeah, and as soon as you tap your brakes, the, the person behind has to brake and change yeah. lanes and it causes chaos. And if you can't move, if there isn't space to move over to the next lane and then you, you don't do that and then you slam on and then back a cause, countless accidents doesn't it and then it just multiplies into tailbacks and hour-long delays and then motorways closed all because little chaos G- all because little jimmy in his full of chaos <laughs> yeah. didn't get to go on a motorway during his lessons so i think um, i applaud the decision makers on this one you know they should, do you know what i think they should do as well multi-story car parks on the motorway <laughs> not yeah, on the motorway yeah they should teach you how to do drive around multi-story car parks yeah could you not go in a multi-story car park on your lessons if you ask? Scared? Were you scared? I wasn't. No, it's just you go into them and the the maneuver, the space you got maneuvering is so tight. Yeah. You the ceilings are really low. There's cars everywhere. The, the spaces are tiny. I think like you got to use the parking you, machine. You got to use the ticket machine. Yeah, that's it. yeah. No, you don't do that. Just tailgate someone out. <laughs> I'm sure you know. What, you probably could just say to your instructor, "Can you take me in a multi-story?" <laughs> what you're saying it should be compulsory it should like yeah you should I think have so. to do it yeah. I think so yeah does that mean you're going to get tested on motorways now or no not at the moment there? not at the moment yeah any motorway lessons are voluntary at the moment you don't have to do them you're just allowed on there so it's up to the driving instructor to decide when the learner driver is competent enough and you don't have to do it. The change only applies to learner drivers of cars. Learner motorcyclists can still not go on the motorway. So it's, it, at first, it sounded like a really good positive thing, but in reality, it's not as you sound like, well, if you want to take them on the motorway, you can do, but yeah. 
going to take up time where we could be learning something that will get you through the hoop, which is yeah. passing the test. Because that's all, well, I'm not, honestly, like, it's not all driving instructors just want to just get you past for the statistic, but there's a big part of that, isn't there? They, yeah. they want to, they want people passing. So, yeah, they're going to use, they're going to spend their time on something they know they're gonna, you're going to get tested on. Yeah. Because that's what matters ultimately. I wonder if this is a response to people complaining about they've paid for all the driving lessons, they paid for all of their uh, fees to do the theory and the practical test, and then after they've done all that and then they've paid for their actual test, maybe once, maybe more, then they would still have to pay for a pass plus to go on the motorway. And I wonder if this is just a way for if someone's like, well, I want to do all this, but I don't want to pay for a pass plus because they don't have to. And then this is a way for them to get on the motorway if they want the lesson. Mm. It's just the cost of another lesson, isn't it, for them then? Yeah. On a segue, do you think, you know, like... Going on the motorway on a segue. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do you think, like, with motorbikes, when you pass your um, your motorbike license, you can't just jump straight onto, like, a a ridiculously high-powered... I think that should be the same for cars, because in theory, I could pass your test at 17 and get into an RS6. Yeah, yeah. As long as you can get the insurance. As long as you can get the insurance. But is that a responsible thing to do to like a seventeen-year-old loose on a on a car of that that sort of power? I mean, I suppose it's like in reality, it's probably very, very limited the amount of people who at seventeen, eighteen, go out and get a high-powered car because the, the yeah. insurance costs are so are so high. Yeah, it, it, you know, most people couldn't do it. It's probably not that actually much of an issue, really, is it? No, it would be the minority, wouldn't it? It'd yeah. be like football stars, children, and so on. Football stars and children and their children. Oh my you God. know, like David Beckham's kids in right. his R eight. Thank you for listening to the Stablecast by Stable Vehicle Contracts, specialists in Audi and Volkswagen leasing since two thousand and nine. You can find us on Instagram at Stable Lease and on Facebook at Stable Vehicle Contracts make sure to ask us about joining our mailing list or WhatsApp.